Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Elizabeth Feldhausen. Elizabeth is the founder of Safe Haven Pet Sanctuary, a cage-free, no-kill rescue that saves animals with special needs from euthanasia lists in the Midwest. They specialize in caring for and rehabilitating animals who have physical or psychological disabilities, including but not limited to FIV, missing limbs, blindness, diabetes, thyroid issues, cases of abuse and neglect, aggression, and paralysis. Elizabeth, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you. So I was wondering, how did you get started getting involved with cats and community cats and then also What got you interested in founding Safe Haven Pet Sanctuary? So I have actually wanted to have a shelter since I was a little kid. I would always play The Sims, which is a computer game, and I would just build pet shop after pet shop after pet shop. And we were kind of (laughs) out in the middle of nowhere, so we would end up with, like, farm cats around. And I ended up seeing a bunch that would have injuries and... People would say, you know, we have to put them down when they were clearly still fighting for their lives and still happy and still, you know, purring. Also, I had my own personal cat, which he was one of the farm cats who ended up coming up to me when I was a little kid and we decided we were going to keep him. I asked Santa for him. So basically, Mm. I manipulated my parents into letting me keep him because he's the only thing I asked Santa for that year. So they had to say yes. (laughs) but he ended up having brain inflammation, which, I mean, cats really don't, I don't think they call it stroke, but basically what he had was a stroke. So he lost the ability to walk, and he was just my best friend. So he was still purring, enjoying life. He still would cuddle with me, but he wasn't able to get up to eat or go to the litter box. And everyone said, you have to put him down. But within a couple months, we had him walking again. He was eating again. It just took a lot of work. And that's what a lot of people weren't willing to put in was the work. So basically, we take in the cats who would be either overlooked for their special needs because, I mean, it does take a lot of extra time and money. So a lot of places or families would have them put down, but instead we take them in and we rehabilitate them. And a lot of them get a really great second life. For example, my cat, he's actually the black cat featured on our website. He made it another good five years after having his stroke. So there are things that can be done and we just try to give them the second chance that they deserve. Yeah, you made an interesting comment about saying that that handling these kinds of cats, which in my years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, we also dealt with and continue to deal with a lot of you know what I would call somewhat compromised cats. And you say it can be more expensive, but I would I'm going to venture to question that because when you're working with an organization like MRFRS, like Safe Haven Pet Sanctuary, you have seen it all. And I don't know whether you are a veterinary technician or have had training in that direction, mm-hmm. but I know from my 
experience is that experience gives you more experience. So right. you, when you run across a what would be thought to be sort of a challenging medical situation <clears throat> may not be that challenging. And I, I would look at it from the side of thyroid and diabetic issues, I can say that I now know a lot of people who are very much pros in that arena. And I've had a diabetic cat and I've had a thyroid cat. I've had renal failure. I've, I've had, um, you know, mobility issues in the back legs and that, and that kind of thing. And once you've got some experience, then you're not anywhere near as afraid of it. And so by adopting a cat from an organization like yours or from, um, you know, MRFRS, that you're going to be getting this incredible support network of folks that have a lot of experience. Right. That's correct. As long as you are educated on what needs to be done after everything. I mean, initially, when things start happening and animals start going downhill is typically when we get them, when they're starting to get hyperthyroidism and the family can't afford them anymore or diabetes. It can take a long time to get them at that good balance. But when you finally do, or when at the point that we would adopt them out, when they're good to go and we know how much medication they need or how much insulin they need, after that point, they are very easy to take care of. I mean, you just give the gel in the ear for hyperthyroidism or the insulin twice a day and you're pretty much good to go. It's just they have an initial rough period. And as soon as you get past that, it's very easy. And there is a misconception that it it's very hard to give insulin or cat medications, but I think a lot of people, when you say you give medication twice a day, will think trying to shove a pill down a cat's throat twice a day, and that's not necessarily what you're doing because I can see how that that is not easy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would right. rather give insulin every day than have to try to give a cat that's an expert on getting that pill out a pill twice a day. So. Right. Yeah, a lot of yeah. issues people would think are hard to deal with get easier as time goes on. So, and you're able to, <laughs> you know, present the case of the cat to folks. You know, it sounds like you you are acting as a uh, safety net, so to speak, for these animals in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. In the Northeast, you know, things, times have changed quite a bit. So a lot of our, what we would call our traditional intake shelters or open admission shelters in Massachusetts that eight years ago were taking in three times as many cats as they are now. Therefore, they weren't able to support populations like FIV-positive cats or diabetic cats or 18-year-old cats. Now they're accepting those cats in to the shelter and adopting them out um, quite successfully. And, you know, over time, it sounds like you created this great partnership, but then in the future, you may be able to provide advice and assistance to those those larger sort of intake facilities. So I look forward to seeing what happens for the Midwest, you know, in the next three to five years, because I think things are changing pretty dramatically. From the spay-neuter side of things in the Midwest, are you seeing a lot more of accessibility for high-volume spay-neuter? Yes. A lot of the shelters have low-cost spay-neuter clinics. We have a couple different services that will go around and stay in release. So I think that that is actually getting to the Midwest a bit. And I think that in the future, we'll have a lot more of that going on. But I think we are maybe a little bit behind a lot of other places right now. So 
We're catching up. When did you start Safe Haven Pet Sanctuary? Actually, it was a year in April. Set our location since December 10th. So we've been officially a 501c3 for about a year, but um, we were working through a foster network before we found our building. And uh, can you describe the building a little bit? Yep. So basically what we have is a big area that is set up like a lounge and a cafe. And we have a little bar where we have kombucha. We have a cooler with peace tea and different types of flavored drinks. And then we have coffee. Then besides the lounge area, you'll go down a hallway where that has five different rooms off of it that are the size of twin size bedrooms. Some of them have French doors in between. So we can open that up into one large room or we can close the French doors and have those be all separate quarantine areas for animals that may be antibiotics or aggressive or not used to our situation yet. But a lot of the times we have that open and it's a big play area. People from the public or just walking by can come in, grab a cup of coffee, hang out with our cats. It helps socialize the cats that have been abused or neglected very well. And also just the exposure that the cats get just with people coming in and having a cup of coffee with them every day is awesome. So it's all cage-free. We do have things like bridges hanging from the ceilings, and we have cat shelves going up and down the walls. So we have created it so that the cats can hide or be higher up than everyone if they want to, or they can go back into the playrooms or they can hide under the couch, but they can also be out and climbing around and stuff like that. Our whole front of our building is a storefront on one of the main avenues around here. So it's really cool. The whole thing is glass and the cats love to just sit there and watch the traffic and watch people walk by. (laughs) There are people waving to them. We have more face prints on the outside of our windows than the inside. (laughs) Like you would think Uh there'd be nose prints all over those windows. It's like people (laughs) face prints. Like... (laughs) Like everybody that walks by presses their face up against the glass, but the cats absolutely love it. So it's a really cool little setup. We got really lucky with the space that we found. Kitten season is upon us, and do we have a webinar for you? Listen and chat with Hannah Shaw, the kitten lady, on Saturday, June 17th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and learn everything you need to know about saving kittens' lives. She'll be talking all about kittens and bottle babies, too. This webinar will cover the ins and outs of kittens, including an overview of issues impacting cats and kittens, how to set up your home, manage your time, and make fostering fun, how to properly feed, clean, and provide basic medical care to a kitten, how to get involved in your local community. To sign up, go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on the link on the homepage to sign up. We'll see you then. Are you new to the Community Cats Podcast? Don't know what to listen to first? Feel free to check out the listening module tab where we have grouped shows together by topic so you can listen to a bunch of shows around the same topic. Just click on the listening module tab at www.communitycatspodcast.com and enjoy learning about community cats. Can I ask how you fundraise for the shelter build out? Yeah. So we got our licensing in April and then we fundraised through October, we did a lot of mini fundraisers. Like we would have a Scentsy consultant do a sale and half of the proceeds would go to us. We did a lot of little 
kind of like parties almost where, well, I used to be a bartender before I did this. I was a bartender forever. I also did social media marketing for women's boutiques. But other than that, we would basically work with the bartenders or the bar owners, I should say. And we would set up where a couple of bands would come in and play for free. And people would come in, it would be like a little show and people would pay to come see everyone play. And then that would go to us. We had a couple of t-shirt sales online, which is super easy. Any of those t-shirt sale fundraising platforms online, because that can be shipped anywhere and you don't have to pay for the cost and people all over the place can buy a shirt and you can advertise that on social media. But we, I think actually only ended up raising about $3,000. I did put a little bit of my own money originally, like redoing the floor because it was carpet and we couldn't have that. (laughs) It wasn't that expensive for us because we ended up getting a really cheap, it's not very expensive to be there. Like it's not, huge and it had been vacant for so long that we ended up getting a really good deal on it. So we did get really lucky. A lot of organizations would have to raise a lot more money, but basically just with the community working with us, we were able to raise a couple thousand dollars and that was enough to remodel. We used pallets to build all of our stuff for the coffee bar and our front desk, just stuff that we found while we were dumpster diving, honestly. A lot of our furniture just came from resale shops and people would stop in and donate old wood they had sitting around in their backyard and old carpeting and old floorboards. And we just worked for a month straight to find what we could around the community to kind of build a place for as cheaply as possible and also recycle and upcycle. So that was kind of cool that it didn't cost us very much. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. And and it shows that what you can do, you started a whole venture, you know, and I we were talking about the space holds about 20 cats and you were talking you said that you adopt out between like 200 and 250 cats a year. Well, it will be if we stay at the rate that we are going right now. Yes, that would be about how many we would be able to adopt out in a year. So I'd like to talk about SIV positive cats. I want to get a sense of your thought process around their adoptability and how you house them at your sanctuary. So with us, as long as the FIV positive cats are friendly, so they're not very likely to actually kill bites another cat in an aggressive bite where their teeth would actually enter the bloodstream of the other animal, we have them out in the lounge with all the other cats. So in Actually, the majority of the time, I found that the FIV cats are nicer. They're almost, it's almost like they're lazier because they are. I mean, they don't have as many white blood cells. Their immune system isn't working properly. But other than that, they're just like these really nice, lazy cats. And they're very unlikely to transmit the virus during normal day-to-day interactions. So there are just a lot of misconceptions. And I think that a lot of people haven't been educated on the topic yet. And I really hope that in the future, more people take the time to read the studies and the research on FIV. There are still a lot of people think that think that mother cats will pass the virus to the kittens through the milk. And a bunch of research has come out in the last year saying, you know, that's not something that happens. So as long as you have proper introductions and you take into consideration the cat's individual personality, to make sure that it's okay in the colony, I would definitely 
hope that everyone else considers letting the FIV positive cats into their community cat rooms or their cat cafes or their lounges because there are thousands upon thousands of unnecessary euthanasias going on with cats that really have almost nothing wrong with them, in my opinion. You hear that, Hooch? I have my cat who's FIV <laughs> positive. Okay. He's sitting right next to me. So he agrees with you 100%. <laughs> he even has his left ear tip too. So, yeah. And um, I mean, even for like the adoption coordinators or the people working at shelters where sometimes it's just the rules that when an FIV positive cat comes in, you have to put it down. I would urge those people to make the phone calls because there are other places that will take those cats and will adopt them out. So just network and find somewhere for them to go. Yeah. Yeah. When we moved into, when the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society moved into their cageless facility in 2003, we had initially for the first couple of months had an FIV room where we had Mm -hmm. about 10 FIV positive cats and they were all the nicer cats. And so we had the front room which was, you know, full of the grumpy cats. And mm-hmm. um, I shouldn't say that, but it was sort of a group of grumpy old ladies and grumpy old men. And yeah. then we opened the door and we let them out. And I think within about two weeks, seven of the 10 cats were adopted. Yeah. So it's very easy to adopt out FIV positive cats. And it's the personality. I mean, it always is with any cat. It's the personality that's going to sell the cat to any, right. any potential guardian or family. And so right. what we want to do is make it so that they're not behind a door labeled danger, danger, FIV positive. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's not that way. And so, you know, you need to bring them out. And many organizations are not even bothering to test for FIV anymore. They're only doing a feline leukemia snap test. And then mm-hmm. if that cat turns up positive for feline leukemia, they do a secondary test. And then they do what's called an IFA test on feline leukemia to actually make sure that they're not just exposed to the virus, but that they're actually carriers of it. So there's so much more in the areas of, of disease and testing that, you know, one quick little test cannot determine a cat's fate. Even at our, our the free Sunday spay-neuter clinics that we've run since 2000, we don't even bring uh, test kits with us because we'll say a cat needs to be euthanized based on its body condition, you know, what its quality of life is. There's just a point of no return and testing isn't going to help the situation in in any way, shape or form. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we do a a group consult, but we're not going to do a whole battery full of tests if the cat is incredibly compromised. And um, so, you know, it's, it's sort of using your mind to make the decision rather than having a blanket test make the decision and sort of put up these blinders. Right. But I will I will jump off my soapbox at this point in time um, <laughs> as, as it's very easy for me to get up on that soapbox. And Elizabeth, it's, I just, I think there's so many parallels to the organization that I was involved with, Safe Haven. I'm just so excited that, that your organization is new and growing and developing. And I think that there's going to be great things up ahead for you. If people are interested in finding out more about Safe Haven Pet Sanctuary or visiting, how would they get in touch with the organization or with you? So our website is www.safehavenpets.org. We're extremely active on Facebook. So it would be facebook.com slash safehavengb, like Green Bay. 
And then Instagram, I'm working on getting involved with as well because that's extremely popular these days. Our Instagram would be cat underscore cafe underscore Wisconsin. So on any three of those things, that's actually going to go directly to me. So if you want to contact us, just check either of those things out. That sounds great. And Elizabeth, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I think we pretty much covered all of it. <laughs> the one thing that I would say a good takeaway is, is that even if you don't have a lot of money in your organization and you believe in doing something, that there's always a way to be able to do it. It sounds like, I mean, it doesn't sound like you raised that much money. And I'm just shocked and amazed at what you were able to do with that small amount of money. You were able to to create this incredible program and a cat cafe and a sanctuary for these cats, as well as adoptive homes for them. I also give you an A-plus on your website. The website is just absolutely gorgeous. And for those of you that love black cats and adopting black cats, she's got a beautiful black cat right on the homepage. And so, you know, I, I think you, you're doing an incredible, incredible job. But I think that the biggest takeaway is that even if you think you don't have the resources to do something, you still can do it. There's always a way. Oh, definitely. And you can always email us and ask us because we have found so many different loopholes. <laughs> so just call in like, you need to build a reception desk out of stuff you found in the dumpster. Give us a phone call. <laughs> Sounds great. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And oh, yeah. I hope we'll have you on us. in the future. Yeah, definitely. Are you starting to think about that special gift? Why not give the gift of a Community Cats podcast branded t-shirt, coffee mug, bag, or other item? This is the perfect way to spread the word about helping community cats. The proceeds from the sales will go to support the Community Cats podcast and the Community Cats Grants program, which helps small groups grow their fundraising programs to be able to fund more spay-neuter programs for free-roaming cats. Go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on our shop button in the menu bar today to get that perfect community cat gift right now. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the show.